Welcome to Simply Christian, a podcast diving deep into the essentials of the Christian faith, heresies, and everything in between. I'm Isaac. And I'm John. John, we got a hot subject. <laughs> yeah, we definitely do. I, I was thinking that we got out of the hot seat after the last episode covering um, roles of men and women, um, but I think we're still kind of in some of the flames today. Yeah, man, we we are for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Um, so so what are we going to talk about? Yeah, well, I mean, jump out of the frying pan into the fire. Today we are going to be discussing, get ready, some of the first few letters you're going to recognize, LGBTQ, but it continues, Q-I-P to the number, A-A-K, Um and basically, this is the LGBTQ plus movement that we're all very aware of. Some of it becomes maybe a little bit of alphabet soup at some point. The letters grow, and I was even aware of very uh, three or four or fewer letters just two years ago. And just in the last two years, more have been added, and even now a number. So just let me frame this out real quick, and then we'll we'll proceed. But LGBTQQIP2AAK stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, intersex, pansexual, two-spirit, androgynous, asexual, and K for kink. Um, and so we're going to dive into some of this today. Uh, for you listeners, um, we hope that this is beneficial because we want to talk about how the church can interact um, with non-believers in regards to this. How can we uphold truth, which is very much being assailed in our society, um, and the church is even being um, tempted and sometimes put into a position where we are um, bending on some issues um, and sacrificing scripture. So we want to look at this from a pretty comprehensive perspective. Um, so hope that you guys are uh, tuned in and listening, um, and that this is a blessing to you. Um, my brother, though, Isaac, what, where, where are we going to place this as far as our level of triage, quadrage, level one, two, three, or four? Where do you stick this? Yeah, so with this one, I think we got to make a few caveat or nuances, I should mm. say, with this one. So I would say if someone is engaging in any sexual sin, and they're okay with it. That's a level one issue. Mm. That's practical heresy, as we've talked about before. Yeah. That is outside of, of Christ. Because fornicators, adulterers, all the other lists of sexual sins will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, as yeah. the scriptures say. So yeah. that is level one, the scriptures say that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it could be, we don't want to say level two, because it seems like it's mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> maybe two, two okay there, maybe a 1.5, somewhere between level one and two. If someone believes that these various things, and we'll touch on what they are because we do have some nuances with which ones we think are okay or not, if any. Mm-hmm. Um, if a person believes that these things are okay, but they're not engaging it or teaching it, mm-hmm. maybe there's just some confusion they got to work through. So we don't quite want to say, hey, you're not a Christian, because Christians can be confused about all sorts of things. Christians yes. can be confused about the Trinity, for example, mm-hmm. when that's mm-hmm. a level one issue. Yep. So yep. we want to be gracious, but also not bend the Bible. We want to keep the Bible where it's at, saying what it's saying. So Absolutely. maybe 1.5, meaning, hey, it's mm-hmm. a serious thing. You need to know what you believe on this. So let's get together and let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yep. So this is important. So the way um, we're going to try to come at this big issue um, is by uh, starting off, what does the Bible teach about gender? And so this is your table of contents for this episode. What does the Bible teach about gender? 
Second, what does the Bible teach about sexuality? Third, are all the letters in this LGBTQ plus um, acronym, are they all bad? Um, Fourth, why does this divide the world? And then we'll look at some common objections, um, and we'll we'll, kind of dive into some of that of even Christians sometimes might have questions on this, or even um, you know, professing Christians teach something contrary under the name of Jesus Christ. And so hopefully in that section, we'll kind of get into some common objections from the world, but also even common objections from the church or professing church as well. So yeah, let's jump in. And uh, I think we should stress a couple things that are important. I don't know. Do you want to speak into yeah. some of these? Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing that we want to say is that Jesus came into the world to save humanity right? He came into the world to save sinners of all kinds, yeah. people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And there is hope for all through the gospel, all who believe in Christ, regardless of your background, of the sins you've committed, of your identity, all that stuff. You have yeah. hope in Christ through the gospel. If you believe in him, then he will change you and save you and give you eternal hope. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to stress that on the front end. We definitely don't cast anyone um, out of the option of being able to be uh, to take share in eternal life through Christ if mm-hmm. if they believe. Yes, yeah. The gospel is even for homosexuals. You know, yes, like, and some people might make it seem as though it's not. Um, and if you, um, an important verse in this is First Corinthians six nine. He says that do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you kind of touched on this a little earlier, but it says, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor for, uh, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But then verse 11 is very, very important. After speaking so strongly to say that these are level one issues, you will not inherit the kingdom of God if you engage in these practices. But verse 11 says, such were some of you, but you were washed but you were sanctified, but you were justified. And so Paul is saying that some of the people in this Corinthian church used to be homosexuals, used to be adulterers, used to be thieves, idolaters, drunkards, swindlers, but they came to Christ and were washed. And so the gospel is quite evidently readily available to all who turn to Christ. Yes. Everyone who turns to Christ and so we want to make sure that that's very stressed, even though that we will speak strongly in this episode and say um, what the Bible teaches. We do also really want to say up front that the very much the Bible, um, that Jesus Christ, as you said, came into the world to save sin- sinful people. Yes, um, he sure did. Including, he, he including us at this table here. <laughs> yes. Amen, man. Amen. Yep. The other thing we want to stress is the difference between attraction and temptation versus action mm-hmm. and sin. Yeah. So there's there's the distinction there. I can be tempted to steal something. That's very different from actually acting out and stealing something. Right. I can be tempted to cheat on my wife. Mm-hmm. That's very different from actually cheating on my wife. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. So there's a difference. Like if it's a temptation, but you're fighting it and you don't you're not doing it, it's like a temptation and you're like, like, no, nah, I don't want this. Like yeah. that's not a sin. Even Jesus was tempted. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. In all manners as we are. Yeah. As he says in the scriptures. So he was tempted, but without sin. And he didn't give in to the temptation. He resisted it through the power of the Spirit and the Word. Mm -hmm. So um, that's one thing we want to stress because there are Christians, there are Christians who struggle with 
homosexual temptations or maybe even confusion in other areas of sexuality. Um, they struggle with that temptation, but their lifestyle is in submission to Christ, though maybe they fall occasionally. Mm -hmm. Well, the Lord picks them up and sanctifies them, right? Mm -hmm. um, still, the, the point is that there's a difference between the temptation and attraction and the actual action of the sin. That's right. right. Yeah. Yep. Amen. Amen. Well said. And so with that, um, just with those couple of things that are very important to put up front, um, we'll get into now what what does the Bible teach about gender? And when we say gender, what we mean is our um, male or femaleness, our maleness, our femaleness. Um, am I a male or am I a female? This is These are things that are given to us by God, our gender. Um, what does the Bible teach on these things? And where, where, where might you go uh, if you were going to look for some scriptures of how, how does the Bible present gender? Yes, I would say the book of Genesis is perfect for that, where mm -hmm. male and female are created for the first time. Mm -hmm. So uh, this would be in Genesis 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, and the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. And um, just here, good to point out, let us make man, this this here would be referring to mankind in general, mm -hmm. because if we know it's not just talking about Adam, because it says they will rule the fish right. of the sea, right? Mm -hmm. So clearly this part here is big picture humanity. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Yep. So that's right. Right there, we see the creation of gender, and there's male, and there's female. And like we talked about in our last episode, there's the distinction between them, and they're beautiful. Yeah. Um. So go check that out. Last one. Yes. Um, but yeah. So I would say that's a good place to start. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. So there is a difference, um, a distinction in um, practical societal living and function and um as we said before roles responsibilities qualifications and callings but absolutely no distinction when it comes to being at the foot of the cross male and female um, both have equal access and again please listen to the last episode if you're just tuning in with this one because we cover a lot of this gender stuff in a lot more depth um but yeah so there's equality but there is difference. Um, just something else to quickly just take note of is interdependence. Um, just real quick, I just want to read some of 1 Corinthians 11, um, starting in verse 8. It says, For man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. This is referring to Adam and Eve. It wasn't Eve first, and then Adam was taken out of her rib. It was actually Adam first, and then woman coming next. Um, out, of, out of man came woman. So it says, Man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed... Man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. Therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. But now listen to this interdependence, though, because Paul wants to balance some of this out. He says in verse 11, However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. Mm -hmm. For as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman, 
and all things originate from God. So no man can say to a woman, I don't, I don't need you because Adam came first and then Eve came out of man. Paul would say, no, you actually came from a woman yourself. Yeah. Your you, mom nursed you, right? <laughs> yeah. You're here because of your mom. Yeah. Um, and so you, 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 you originate from a woman. And so Paul wants to balance that out. So there's this beautiful inter, inter, interdependence that we have with one another that um, man cannot look at woman and say, I don't need you, nor vice versa, woman to a man. Um, yeah, man, that that's that's awesome. So, so I think that's that's probably good about gender. We'll touch more on that in a minute. Yeah, but uh, what about what about sexuality? What does the Bible teach about sexuality? Yeah, Bible teaches so much about sexuality. Um, sex, I just want to quickly say, belongs to God. Um, I think the church has allowed Satan to really steal and try to cling and claim authority over sex. And when you say sex, um, uh, a lot of people's minds go to to bad things, but we as the church ought to say, no, sex belongs to us because it belongs to our God and we're going to take authority over it. And so this is something that our God created. It's a good thing. Um, it's a powerful thing. It's a wonderful gift that God has given. And so the Bible speaks a lot about sex. Um, first and foremost, sex is something to enjoy. Um, I would say if you look at the book of the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, um, you will see a beautiful picture where sex is something to be enjoyed and they're unashamed about making it seem like this is a a pleasurable, wonderful thing that they're anticipating, looking forward to, and then eventually engaging in. There's a beautiful thing um, meant to be enjoyed. Um, And I think we know that just innately from experience, but also you read the Word of God and it fully supports the fact that God has made this as a gift a wonderful gift to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife, um, which we'll touch more into. Um, but it also really the, the continuation of humanity depends upon sex. Yep. Um, God has made it that way. It didn't have to be that way. God could have chosen to create in any other way that he wanted to continue um, humanity as we know it. However, he did it based on sex. Uh, Genesis one twenty eight: be fruitful and multiply. And the way that we do that, the only way that we can do that is by sex. Um, raising children comes from the process of a husband and a wife coming together, becoming one flesh, and bearing children through the process of sex, which, again, belongs to Jesus Christ, the creator of it. Mm-hmm. Um, just the third thing we'll quickly say is that um, the Bible teaches that sex is between a husband and a wife. You look at Matthew 19, um, Jesus Christ quotes Genesis and he takes it right back to the beginning and he says a man shall leave his mother and his father and then cleave to his wife that there is this separation that happens when a young man meets a woman and uh, they're going to get married and he leaves the care of his parents and goes and now cleaves to a wife and the two shall become one flesh and this is again man and woman Jesus Christ is presenting the only form of marriage known since the very beginning that God ordained not male and male but male and female man shall leave his wife his his parents and cleave to his wife specifically and so jesus lays it out there but also we see in first corinthians 7 as well a little bit of a framework put up that um, sex is to be in the confines of marriage if a man is burning with lustful passions paul doesn't say well just go sleep around he says let him marry let him marry and so fornication, sleeping around, all of these things, um, even if it's you're sleeping around with the same, the same sex or opposite sex, at the end of the day, fornication is wrong, and the mm. Bible puts restrictions on that, so it should be done within the confines of marriage. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. 
So there are uh, a series of restrictions that we'll just briefly go through here. Hopefully some of these should be obvious, but uh, we'll go through them anyways. So um, we know, first of all, there's no interspecies sex, no bestiality at all, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We know biologically that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And just naturally we know that's messed up. Mm -hmm. That's really messed up. Mm -hmm. But the Bible Mm -hmm. does touch on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Leviticus and Deuteronomy specifically, Mm -hmm. those are passages we know, even though that's part of the old covenant and it doesn't directly apply to us, Mm -hmm. we see the principles of what God desires and hates there. And it's the same, same God. Um, So we know that. Also, we know there's no sex um, within the same family, so no familial sex. Now, this is something that has changed a little bit Mm -hmm. over time. That's right. Obviously, because first man and first woman, obviously there wasn't anyone else around when they had kids. So uh, the first you know, number of generations, um, brothers and sisters are marrying. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't weird. There was no law against it. Where there's no law, there's no sin, as the mm-hmm. scriptures say. There's no law against it. That's the only way it could have worked. Mm-hmm. And biologically, that would have been okay, too, because um, the you know there, there wouldn't have been that... Um, the problem with the the genes and and all that, which you know, yeah. like as far as that stuff is concerned, now you know you'll have a, a kid who has a lot of problems if a brother and a sister you know right. do that. So yes, um, so we know that familial sex is um, not okay due to Leviticus and also First Corinthians, where there's an example mm-hmm. of something like that happening as well. Um, we know that uh, sex within the between the, the same gender, so no same sex, is okay either. That's not good. Leviticus um, also teaches this, as well as Romans chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians 6. Mm-hmm. These are passages that are very clear, as well as many other places in the New Testament, mm-hmm. that uh, a male with a male or a female with a female is an abomination to the Lord, just like any other type of sexual sin, but specifically this, because it does violate the creation covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just... Very and like the the interspecies sex too. That's also abomination to the Lord because it it's a it's a it's a disorder mm-hmm. rather than just like there's an extra level of of kind of wrongness to it mm-hmm. in the natural sense because we know like no that that's not natural that doesn't work mm-hmm. it goes against a creation covenant as mm-hmm. well as these other things that are specifically mentioned. Yes. Um, and then the other thing, uh, there's there's no fornicating at all. So any sexual desire that has been carried out physically to, to fruition um, outside of a man and a woman who are married mm-hmm. is sin. Mm-hmm. So that means that that would even go to masturbation. That would go towards pornography. That would go towards any sexual sin at all that mm-hmm. that is any any sexual act that is outside of a, a man and a woman who are married mm. so this is what the bible says you know mm. <laughs> and uh you know the bible puts hedges around it right it really does yeah yep definitely yeah and and you you get the example you hear it a lot the the fire in the fireplace, um, you're, you're going to be really warmed by a fire. You can do some cooking. It's uh, one of the greatest tools that humanity has ever really been endowed with to, to serve us. It heats us. It helps us uh, cook. 
um, all of these wonderful things, this beautiful ambiance, but the moment it gets out of the fireplace, it can really do a lot of damage. And so God wants to put a good framework around um, this great gift of sex, as he does with other great gifts. There are certain confines that Satan tries to twist and distort and to make the fire come out of the fireplace and cause so much damage and wreak so much havoc in people's lives. Satan takes good things and twists them and distorts them to, to cause all sorts of problems. Hmm. So... With that being said, with that kind of framework, how about we turn to the letters of this LGBTQ plus acronym and just kind of go over them. Are they all really that bad? Um, I know maybe some of them might be bad, but like, let's just go through all of them and just look. Is, does the Bible speak against um, all of these letters? Is there anything that we can redeem out of this? <laughs> um, so first we got the, um, the L. And with this, we're going to also include the G and the B. So this is lesbian, gay, and bisexual. Woman-to-woman relationships sexually. Man-to-man relationships sexually. Man relating with a man or a woman. He depends on his preference for the day or protectually, you know, his sexual desires um, are equal for for both. Um, Or vice versa with a woman having a desire for a man or a woman, again, depending on the day or the circumstance. These things we can all kind of quickly just sum up um, with a couple of passages. One is the only one we really need to look at, though, Romans, the New Covenant, Paul the Apostle, um, speaking about creation and how they have rejected what they already knew within their hearts. Um, They're without excuse, exchanging the truth of God for a lie. But then it says in verse 26 of Romans chapter 1, Read the whole chapter for context if you get the time, but these few verses speak clear enough um, about God's heart towards lesbianism, homosexuality, bisexuality even is included in this. It says, for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. So this is not a good description, degrading passions. This is not a positive description, but a negative one. Degrading passions for the woman exchanged they swapped. They, they swapped out something. So it says, for their woman exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. Some words that you were using earlier, Isaac. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts, receiving in their own persons the due penalty of the error. And so with a couple verses, a couple strokes of the pen, Paul the Apostle affirms what we already innately know and what um, true believers had already known from the Old Covenant all the way back to the beginning, prior to the Mosaic Law, all the way back, Paul is affirming what has been always taught, that when a man lies down with a man as he does with a woman, or when a woman lies down with a woman as she does with a man, this thing is an abomination to God. And we have to speak strongly on this, and we speak with so much compassion and love and empathy toward people who wrestle with this. And this is a temptation that I sympathize with immensely, immensely. Very close people in my life have come to me with this um, this struggle, mm. and I sympathize with it. Yes. But at the same time, we also need to speak the, the truth of God to say, flee from this. Out of my love for you, my desire for your well-being, the very heart of God pleading through me to you, please turn from this because this is a fire that is getting out of the fireplace and we don't want it to burn you up. And so God is not giving these commands to just say, you, you're awful, you suck. 
we want to put you down and shame you. This is a heart of God pleading and saying, don't, don't go this way. I'm speaking clearly to you in my word. Women do not lie down with a woman. Man, do not lie down with a man. And so we have the, the LGB aspect spoken into clearly from scripture. Hmm. Turn from this sin. Um, what about transgender? That's the T. LGBT. Transgender. Uh, how about, I don't know. What, what do you think about the Bible and, and this subject? I don't know, John. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll bat this back and forth for the next 20 minutes and see which one of us finally takes it. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, you know, I think uh, one place where we could go is Deuteronomy 2.5. A woman is not to wear male clothing, and a man is not to put on a woman's garment. For everyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord your God. So again, I know like old covenant, but we also see this in First Corinthians uh, chapter eleven. See, woman's supposed to, you know, adorn herself as a woman. Man's supposed to look like a man. Um, this is just like a principle that God desires, and and it would just this just makes sense. God is the one who made the distinctions between man and woman. He thinks it's good. Mm-hmm. Therefore, anything that confuses those things. Is bad because he likes that distinction. It's a it's a compliment. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. They complement each other, as we saw in the last episode. So I mean, it's just it just makes perfect sense. Yes, that that these natural distinctions um, would exist and are good. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. any any desire to kind of mix those or switch between them when God has established something, yes. set it in stone the way He wants it is to basically make yourself God Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and say, no, I want it my way. Yes. Yep. Yep. And, you know, to, to emphasize what we've emphasized just with the last one with, um, you know, homosexuality, um, you know, we, myself included, um, I'll share a testimony, but you guys as well, you've known people who are transgender. I've had very close friends, family members, somebody I spent a lot of time with counseling through, um, this transgender pull. And so this is a thing that is a reality mm-hmm. in a lot of us. Um, yes. And I myself haven't wrestled with this particular thing, but there are many things that we all wrestle with. And again, it gets back to what you said. There's a difference between temptation and sin yes. and Jesus being tempted, but without sin, um, this is not something that we have to act upon, but it is something that we can acknowledge and say, this is, there's a, there's a um, confusion within me. I feel as though I am a girl. And in my heart of hearts, I really do, even though I know I have male parts, talk to people like this. And this is something that needs love, counsel, um, just the affection of Christ and the care and compassion of Christ um, as a Christian ministers to a person um, who is transgender to to engage with the reality of what they're going through. But also, again, as we've been doing here, speaking the, the truth of God, which has the ability to set us free. Amen, dude. Amen. What about uh, what about Q? Okay, well, we got two cues here, so gear up. Um, the first cue um, is queer, and the second is similar. It's questioning. Um, so maybe we'll try to cover these both, but queer basically just means that one is unsure about their sex and or their gender. Um, and then questioning is quite similar. Um, so there's a little bit of a distinction here, but not a whole lot. Questioning is just kind of as it sounds. It, it means someone is having questions about their identity or sexual orientation. So my thought on this is that really questions are rarely, if ever, a bad thing. 
I mean, I, I always encourage questions. If a person has questions, I'm, I'm not going to stifle that and say, don't, don't question. The thing is, where do we go for our answers? And yeah. so if you're queer or questioning, if you're confused and you're struggling, absolutely ask those questions. Don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, want somebody to say, don't ask them and be like, you know, just, just suck it up and ignore it. Press into your questions, but just go to the right place for the answers and go to yeah. God himself through his word. Find a Christian who um, knows the gospel, knows the word of God, and can, can sit down with you with great love in their eyes, and, and, and you know that you're being heard, you're being listened to, and someone who can counsel you and say, here, we get, the Bible has the answers. Yeah. God has given us his word. And so um, in, in a lot of senses, I don't think questioning is innately wrong. I think in this LGBTQ plus acronym, though, it's really just put as this is who you are. Your identity is queer. Your identity is questioning. That's who you are. You're a questioner and there's no answers for you. <laughs> you're stuck mm -hmm. in a, a mindset of you're constantly going to be questioning and you're never going to know. We're going to say, don't stay in that question mindset. Come to a place where you don't have to be a Q anymore, yeah. where you know. I'm not a questioner. I'm a I'm a knower <laughs> because I've gone to the one who knows yeah. all. Um, nice, nice. That's, so that's true. yeah, yeah. Um, let, let's go to the I. Um, after that, we got LGBTQ Q. Now we have an I, which is intersex. Um, talk about this one. Yeah, so it's because intersex is a person is when a person is born with ambiguous gender that is not readily apparent. You know, like if they're a girl or not, or a boy or not, like it's not, it's not really apparent. So think of maybe someone, um, who has like both male and female parts because of a biological mix up, right. Mm -hmm. Which is very rare, but mm -hmm. it's definitely, it happens. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, with that, I mean, it's a little bit more complex because it's not quite as apparent, yeah. you know, which, which way it is. So, I mean, obviously now, I mean, before we even get into like, whether or not that's wrong and, and whatnot. Um, just like, thankfully, we do have the ability, like scientifically, to be able to go in and like look at more than just that. We can look at chromosomes and mm -hmm. DNA, you know, blah, 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 all that, all that kind of stuff so to hopefully maybe offer some more clarity. Um, nonetheless, though, um, I don't think this is obviously, this is not sinful. Mm -hmm. Like to be born with physical, um, like parts of your body that happen to be, you have both male and female, like that mm. wasn't your choice, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. That was, yeah. and in fact, it was God's choice. Mm. It was. I mean, mm. obviously sin plays a part in that right. and having messed up the, the sin, like the, uh, um, like biologically messed up our genes and, and all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Sin cursed that. Yeah. But at the same time, like God, even in the scriptures, Jesus says it was like God intended for this person to be born blind yeah. for my glory, That's right? That's a good example. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, does that mean that it's, it's across the board, like, yeah. right? And it doesn't, it doesn't mean like he thinks that's good. It means he intended that to be for a good purpose yeah. somehow, some way. Mm -hmm. And I would say chiefly that they would seek him and seek him for the answers, yeah. right? Yeah. And seek him to worship him and um, of course, you know, just get help through his church, mm -hmm. which is his kingdom on earth, you know, mm -hmm. so. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yep. What about the next one? The, the P? Oh, okay. So we got P and P is, um, for pansexual and 
kind of, you know, if you're an atheist, you don't believe in God. So A kind of negates what follows. Then pan is another word that basically means all. Um, a pantheist believes in all gods. Um, and so a pansexual is just somebody who is attracted to any and all people in the LGBTQ um, community and even those outside of the LGBTQ community. They have no restrictions. They'll they'll be with anybody. They'll be with a man who identifies as a woman. They'll be with a woman who identifies as a man. They'll be with a woman who identifies as a woman and a man who identifies as a man or a two-spirit. They'll, there's no restrictions. They're attracted to them all. Um, this, uh, we believe, would be spoken clearly into um, two categories. Um, you know, uh, if you are a male who is pansexual, but you're attracted to somebody who is a God-made male, then we would say there's a hedge you need to put up there um, because the Bible speaks against homosexuality, which we've covered. If you are a male who is pansexual and for whatever given day or whatever your circumstances are, you're attracted to a woman um, who is a God-made woman, then that's a good thing. That's a good attraction. Praise the Lord. You're attracted to a woman. We would just say... Um, press into that avenue as opposed to the other avenues that are um, uh, urging your heart along, um, but also don't do so in a way that is fornicating. Um, you you can pursue that attraction. God makes us attracted to other beings. Praise the Lord, Hallelujah! God makes us uh, attracted to to people, um, and so when we are attracted to the opposite sex, that's a good thing. There's just again ways to keep the fire in the fireplace and pursue in a way that um, keeps you fleeing from immorality and sexual lusts and things like this um, mm. to to ultimately have sex in the confines of of a male and female marriage. And honestly, that's like one of the best ways to fight a desire. A wrong desire is to press into a good desire, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm like if I'm attracted to my wife, and I am, I love her very much. Yeah. Um, if I'm tempted to pursue another woman sexually, right? Then what I need to do is, of course, turn from that mm-hmm. and press into my wife. Like yeah, I right. need to go to my wife for that that sort of satisfaction. Yeah. And of course, confess that to her. Tell her like what I'm struggling with. Um, that's going to make our relationship better because of the honesty. And then, like just just pursue it that way, right? Because it's those desires are good when pursued in the right way, when carried out in the right way. Yes, but they're horrible when acted out in the wrong way. Yes. There's no neutral ground. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. right? Amen. Yes. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go with a number. For our acronym, um, and I don't know if I know of any other acronyms with a number in them, <clears throat> but this is the first one I've heard of. So, two, um, the number, and two represents two spirit, um, and this could be a person who says that they are born with both male and female identities within them. So this could be a somebody who was assigned a male um, sex at birth. Um, the doctor saw male parts and said, uh, you're a male. And this male grows up and says, actually, I, I have a male in me, but I also have a female. And so I'm not quite transgender in the sense that I have male parts, but I identify as a female. But this is actually somebody who says, I have, I have male in me and female. And those two spirits are kind of cohabitating within me and it might work itself out in various expressions. Um, how do we, how do we navigate this maybe on a truth level, but also on a pastoral level, like as we're we seek to counsel people and talk with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I just think, first of all, like, 
with with this kind of thing, it's a little different than like than an explicit action. This seems like a little bit more like a confusion type thing. Maybe like that the whole queer questioning thing gone a little farther as far as the the uh, yeah. gender identity thing is concerned. So first of all, someone should be really careful in this and go to the right place for the answers. Scripture. Let the Bible define their identity, because the the underpinning issue of all hot topics like this is who has the authority here? Is it God or is it man? <laughs> yeah. And God has the authority. God makes the rules. God defines us. He does because he is God. Yeah. We're not God. The very first temptation of the garden was for us to be like God. That's what Satan said to Eve. Mm-hmm. Right? If you eat this, you'll be like God. But that's not our place. God is God. We are his creation. He is creator. So because of that, he defines our identity. He says whether we're male or female. Mm-hmm. And he says that through natural processes. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? Um, yes. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. We need to submit to that. Submission is not bad, like we talked about with our yeah. last episode. Like, <laughs> yeah. Submission is good when we're submitting to the Lord and submitting to the right, um, the God-given authority. So he is the ultimate authority. Therefore, we submit to him. And and if you're listening and you're just really upset that we're talking about these things and you disagree with us completely, just know like our heart behind this. Mm. Hopefully it makes sense to you. If you believed in the God we believe in or just God in general and and he says something, if he is God, that means what he says goes, right? So because we believe in him, that's why we believe what he says about these things. Amen. We're not believing because we're hateful. We're believing it because we love God and we think what he says is true. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, other things he says is to love everyone, love your neighbor as yourself, right? To to care for others, be gentle, let your gentleness be known to all people. The Lord is at hand. Um, you know, so that that's why we're talking about these things, but we're talking about it in the spirit of love and, and compassion. Um, but we're going to be serious about it because God's serious about it. That's, you know, I think ultimately that's why. But mm-hmm. um, well said. But uh, anyways, but as far as this particular thing is concerned, I would say definitely seek answers and be careful because confusion about this, thinking that you're both male and female or part male, part female, like that's, that's not true. Like Mm -hmm. God, God is, is clear. Um, So like go to, go to him to define your identity. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So what about the next one? The the A. Yeah. The first A. So we have androgynous um, here, <clears throat> excuse me, and androgynous is just when a person presents themselves in a neutral way with their clothing, hair, etc. Um, and so this is a person who might be a male, and they even feel fine with not saying I'm, I'm actually female. They're just going to present themselves to the world in a neutral way. And so, you know, see people like this a lot where you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and that person might identify as the first A in this LGBTQ acronym um, at androgynous. Um, and so this is, again, you know, something that you want to um, to seek the Lord um, and really say, I'm going to submit to you, God, because you're my creator. You get to define me. You define my 
uh, purpose, um, my callings, my character, all of these things in my life, and I want to look to you. And so we do get things in Scripture where um, it speaks into these things, where First Corinthians 11, you know, Deuteronomy 22, 5, you know, these things where it's you, you're to present yourself in the world as you have been made by God. And so these are things to be careful about and really press into um, because God is concerned for these things. Um, but again, you know, needing needing counsel, needing uh, care and um, compassion from a minister who's willing to sit with a person long and and work through some some of these deep things, um, be willing to answer some more questions more specifically. Um, but this is a general overview of androgynous, the the first A and the second A. Um, we have two more that. The A and then the K, um, but A for asexual. Um, how do we deal with this in this LGBT acronym? Yeah, so asexual just means you're not sexually attracted to anyone at all, which is actually okay and preferred by the <laughs> Apostle Paul, yeah. ironically. So this is the one that we actually have no qualms with whatsoever. Like Paul mm-hmm. himself gave his thumbs up of approval on this. He says, in the context of serving the Lord, it's better that you're not distracted with sexual desires at all, mm-hmm. like just pursuing the Lord altogether. Uh, if you're not married, well, that means that you can be completely devoted to God and his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being married, you can still prioritize the kingdom, keep that first, but you also have other responsibilities that will deter you from serving God um, in ways that you could if you weren't married. You know, That's right. So this is actually perfectly fine to yeah. be asexual. Hallelujah. All right. Yeah. We got yeah. we got one of the letters. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Full so on. Was, <laughs> yes, there you go. So. Scriptural. Yeah. Yeah. So you're good. You're good. And if you guys want proof of that, uh First Corinthians chapter seven. Yeah. Yep. That's a good place to go. Great place to go. What's the last one, man? Yeah, so kink, um, and you know, there's a whole world of things to really cover here, and we won't be able to get too much in depth with this. Um, it's hard to pin down because everybody does have their own sexual preferences, but basically, kink would be, you know, uh, you know, fetishes that people have um, that um, drive their sexual um, behavior, and so again, a whole world of things that are okay. I would say here, and then there's a whole world of things that are not okay. So we'll just give you three quick principles before we move into uh, the next little part of this segment, but um, some important things to remember. A, sex is for the for, for marriage, a man and a woman coming together, and sex cannot be outside of that. Another thing is that once you are married, you got to keep the marriage bed undefiled. Hebrews 13.4 says to keep the marriage bed undefiled. You guard and you protect your marriage bed as a husband and a wife and make sure that no evil creeps in there because that is a, a beautiful place that God wants to keep holy in your sexual union. Um, the next thing is that we got to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says that we, we present ourselves before God and say, I'm going to do my best to serve you here up to and including my sexuality, God. I want you to be the determining factor in how I engage even in sex with my wife or if you're a woman in sex with my husband. And I want you to be the one that I am serving even in my marriage bed. And so we serve him with fear and trembling and make sure that what we're doing there is pleasing to him. Um, Also conscience issues, Um, you know, when various things get involved with fetishes and kinks, you know, some might be fine, but some might bother our consciences. Even if they are fine in God's eyes, we might struggle and have our consciences kind of wounded when we engage in various practices. 
in the bedroom or outside of the bedroom, a conscience is a very good thing given by God, and we got to listen to that. Romans 14 is a great place to look if you're looking for some passages about how to navigate the conscience in the Christian life. And then the last thing is just to make sure, 2 Timothy 2.22, you flee youthful lusts and immorality. You make sure that you are avoiding sexual sin because Paul says it is the one sin that is actually inside the body. All other sins are outside of the body, he says, but the, the sexual sex, sex is really a sin that um, impacts our body inside. And so flee youth, youthful and lustful um, passions um, and do all things to the glory of God. Just a couple of quick you know, pillars to remember as we finish up these... Uh, all of the letters in this LGBTQ plus acronym. And so now, just a quick little part before we enter into the common objections, but um, why is this an issue that causes so much division and tension between the world and the church? You know, you get things like abortion and uh, homosexuality, and those are the only two things that Christians really seem to care about. You know, people, drunkenness is a sin, shoplifting is a sin. You know, you get all of these other things that are sins, why does the church all, like make such a big deal about homosexuality? Mm. You know, aren't there worse things for the church to really <laughs> speak into? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say the the reason the church makes it a big deal is because our culture makes it a big deal. Mm. So, by default, the church does too. Um, I'd say there's might be a little bit more complicated than that too. There's definitely more aspects to it, but I would say that's a big thing. The, the culture is trying to glorify these sins. And that is being pushed on the church. So the church in defense is fighting against that, saying, no, this is wrong. This is not okay. God mm-hmm. says it's not okay. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we would do the same thing with any other type of sin that was being promoted by the culture and pushed into the church. The church has not always done a good job with this. Mm-hmm. Racism, mm-hmm. for example, slavery, mm-hmm. right? Like, obviously, that's not to say Christianity wholesale was on one side or the other on those things. Obviously, there was division in the church on that, which is good because there was one side that was right and one side that was wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. nonetheless, like that's why I think it's causing, there's so much tension. And likewise, that causes, because the church rises up against it in opposition, that causes the world to push back even harder. So it just kind of goes back and forth, back Mm -hmm. and forth, because there's no neutrality. Mm -hmm. You're either for God or you're not. Mm -hmm. There's no middle ground here. Like you either say say what God says is true or you don't believe what he says is true. Right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And as the church, we we believe that, you know, um, sins are all, you know, drunkenness, yes, is a sin. Um, You know, shoplifting, yes, is a sin. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like you said, you know, if, if society were to throw a shoplifting pride parade, you know, and have one day out of every year where people just walk down the street with huge floats and we're proud of being shoplifters. And that's our shoplifting pride parade day. Then the church would definitely want to rise up and speak yeah. against that because society is rising up and speaking that this is good. Or if, uh, you know, um, drunkenness pride month was taught in school or fornication is good and God gave you, God wants you to be happy in your fornication. If these things were being taught to our children in school and um, society at large was really pushing this, then the church would rise up against these things too. But shoplifting in our society isn't so so much supported and everybody's trying to push it as as a social good and a social norm. And so this church obviously now speaks up a little bit louder when society speaks louder um, to a certain issue because we want to say, no, 
we, we we're here as, as a moral restraint for our society even yes we want you to know yes. society please don't engage in this turn to christ find forgiveness and hope only in christ alone um, yeah yeah. So yeah, so these issues sometimes take a little bit bigger of a of a, a mantelpiece in the church, but primarily because society's really pushing them. Yeah, and also I would say lastly, like there's admittedly been mistreatment of LGBTQ plus mm. people in history. Mm. Um, so you know society may want to stand behind them to give them some sort of equity in the world, um, but you know the pendulum just kind of swaying way too far the other way now. Like obviously I agree, like. I don't think, because we're not under the civil laws of the old covenant in the same way that Israel was. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think people who practice these these things should be killed. Right. Certainly not. Absolutely not. And it's complicated as to how to deal with it civilly. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have a government influenced by Christian principles or not, you know, it's it's a complex issue that we you know certainly can't get into in this episode. But nonetheless, the pendulum has swung way too far the other way from trying to give people equal treatment to now glorifying mm-hmm. their choices. Mm-hmm. That's very different. Right. Very different. Yep. yep. So Absolutely. Yeah. So those are just some things there. But let's quickly get into the common objections. So, John, isn't gender a spectrum anyways? <laughs> yeah. This is one that comes up a whole lot. Yep. Is gender just a spectrum? Um, and there's no binary. There's not male and female. It's just this whole fluid kind of stream that kind of runs. And if you were to look at a piece of paper left to right, just, you know, with the color spectrum, all the colors of the rainbow, you know, that's how that that some people would present gender as. And you just, you know, you might be kind of a more of a soft male, um, which makes you really close to a female, or you could be kind of, you know, vice versa, uh, uh, very rough and tumbly kind of woman. <laughs> um, but it's all just one big just one big spectrum. Um, we believe this is absolutely false, that there is a binary that God has made them, as Genesis says, male and female. And this theme is carried on all the way through Scripture. Jesus speaks into it. The apostles speak into it. No book of the Bible really leaves this untouched. And so we have male and female, um, a, a binary. That being said, though, yeah, I believe at the end of the day that there are some women who are tomboys. You know, I've I've uh, five kids. We have one on the way, but um, whose gender we don't know yet. We're going to be surprised when the baby comes. But uh, we have three girls and two boys. Um, and of my three girls, uh, I definitely have some that are a lot more girly girl than others. Um, you know, one one's playing with Barbies, one's dancing, um, but the other one might be like out playing football with uh, some me and my boys and like. You know, um, there's nothing wrong with that because at the end of the day, she says, I'm a girl, <laughs> you know? Right. And so there's definitely, I would say, a spectrum within a gender. Yes. Yeah. Some, yeah, yeah. you know, some are more girly girl and some are more tomboy. And the same thing within boys. Some boys might want to, you know, be a hairdresser or, you know, some of these more right. soft things. You see that Jacob and Esau. Right. Jacob was very soft. He was a mama's boy, home, cooking, cleaning, you know? And Jake, uh, Esau is out kind of like hunting, man, man, you know? And, <laughs> but at the end of the day, they're both men. Yeah, and so there's yeah. a spectrum within the each each end of the binary, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But to to just break down the barrier wall and let everything flow together and say man and woman isn't even a real thing and just all kind of like sauces together, absolutely not. And we want to stand against that. Absolutely. Um, so how about um, uh, the law? You had spoken about the law before. You know, some might say, all right, all these passages in you know Deuteronomy, you quote in Leviticus. They also say don't eat pork. So why are we even bringing them into the discussion? You know, don't don't throw that that at me when 
you know, the law doesn't apply. What, what do we, how do yeah. we speak into that? And that's, that's good. It's actually good theology to say that the law doesn't apply in that same way, which yep. is absolutely true. Yep. Definitely want to affirm that. But what we got to remember is this. God is the one who made the law. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are principles behind the law like God's intention and God's heart, we see through the law. It's one of the reasons God gave us the law so we could see his heart, see his holiness, mm-hmm. right? See what he desires. Mm-hmm. What Jesus did in the new covenant, he He didn't abolish the law. He fulfilled the law in his person, right? And what we see in his teachings is not downgrading the... He, he doesn't downgrade the law. He actually makes it more intense by mm-hmm. taking it to the heart. So he strips down sort of the the very physical um like surface level things aspects of the law he strips those away and gets it to the heart of what the law is about so the heart of the law is the same in the old covenant as it is in the new covenant the heart is the same the difference is how it looks practically and um, how it's been fulfilled in christ mm-hmm. jesus when he's talking about marriage refers back to Genesis constantly, which is part of the creation covenant. So when we talk about the old covenant being fulfilled and not applying to us, that is the covenant of Moses. That old covenant has been fulfilled. It's not bearing on us in the same way that the new covenant is bearing on us. We have to obey the new covenant. And there's, there's covenantal blessings and whatnot within that that aren't the same in the old covenant that's mm-hmm. been fulfilled in christ but there's other covenants there's the there's the creation covenant with adam the noahic covenant with all creation uh which is kind of reaffirmed um and that covenant still applies it's mm-hmm. for all of creation mm-hmm. it still applies that one hasn't been fulfilled um it doesn't really have a fulfillment until the earth is is gone, <laughs> uh, which will happen when Christ makes the new heaven and new earth. Um, and same thing with the Noahic covenant on uh, God promising that the seasons will continue and that another flood won't flood the earth. Mm-hmm. Like he says, that's going to happen. That's a covenant that has not been done away, clearly. Mm-hmm. Seasons are still continuing, right? Yeah. It's still going on. So even back then, we see these distinctions in in gender that he makes right in Genesis in the creation covenant. He institutes marriage between male and a female, one male, one female mm. back there. Right. So that still applies. That's, that's not any different. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get to look at it from that way. So also, so just distinguishing what covenant has been fulfilled and also the heart behind the law is the same in the new covenant. It's just the way it's carried out. is different. Yes. Right. So, okay. All right. Well said. Yeah. Um, so what about, I, I hear this one all the time and honestly, this is probably the most like, um, like human kind of question. I don't know. Like the one that would really come from the heart, like God wants me to be happy. Right. And I'm happy by doing this. I'm happy by being a homosexual. Mm-hmm. I'm happy by, um, identifying as whatever gender. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Similar to a kind of one of the common objections last last time, some of this begs the question that um, what I want is what makes me the most happy. Um, we believe that God does want us to be glad in Christ. Um, he wants us to be happy and fulfilled in Christ. And so when it comes to God being concerned with our ultimate fulfillment, this does not mean he is um, 
sanctioning every fleshly lust that we have. And so Paul says um, that I died daily. I've cru- I'm crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And that there is a wage, a, a war that's waging in my in my soul, where my my flesh versus my spirit. My spirit is, uh, you know, wanting to serve the Lord. Then there's my flesh that, you know, Galatians five, um, all of these wicked deeds and practices um, that make me temporarily happy in my flesh. Um, Paul says, and um, or the writer of Hebrew says. Um, that uh, Moses um, had an opportunity, this is Mo, uh, Hebrews 11, to continue on in the, the joys of his life under Pharaoh's kingdom and the temporary passing pleasures of sin, making him happy. But ultimately, God wanted a true happiness for Moses, calling him out of that, which sometimes and often does in the Christian life, and we're all guaranteed and promised suffering in following Christ as we carry our cross as the the, the shards of the, the wooden cross that we carry dig into our shoulders as we walk this Christian life. Um, there's so much joy and happiness and a peace that the world cannot offer. But at the end of the day, really, um, God is concerned with our utmost happiness and our utmost fulfillment, which is to be with him forever and ever and ever, as opposed to the passing kind of deception that Satan offers, which is a temporary happiness, which only leads us to judgment and ultimately the wrath of God being poured out on us. And at the end of the day in eternity, we will be looking, you know, there might be people who are like, I am not happy. (laughs) I wish I was happy in Christ right now by following him. But most people want the happiness that this world offers, which will be here today, mm. gone tomorrow. Right on, man. Yeah. That's so true. That's true. Um, and then just, uh, we got two more. We got, how can it be wrong if it doesn't hurt anybody? And then just last one, if, if there's intersex people, well, why can't I transition from male to female? So just, what about this? If it, this doesn't hurt anybody. You know, I could see if I was on my way to a shopping plaza with an AK-47 and you'd be like, man, what are you doing? But this is, you know. I'm happily married in a committed, loving relationship with another man. Why, like, why? Why is God upset with that? Mm. I don't know. That's a good question, but it's kind of question begging. There at the same time, it is hurting somebody. It's hurting you mm. and the person you're with. Mm-hmm. You may not see it, but God says that it's hurting you, primarily spiritually, first and foremost. It's hurting you because it's sin. God says it's sin. Therefore, it hurts your relationship with him. Therefore, it prevents you from bearing his image, which what you're called to do. Um, and it prevents you from um, being able to have experience humanity, like the, the way of human life that God intended you to. So it does actually hurt you and it hurts your happiness ultimately. Mm-hmm. Spiritually, it does mm-hmm. because it's it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Yep. Yes. And yeah. It, just as a side note too, like we see this from all from all sexually disordered things, there are diseases or complications that are involved. Like almost yeah, and really, either physically or even like within relationships. So for for a few examples here, like if. If you practice bestiality, if you practice same-sex um, practices, um, there are plenty of diseases that come along with that because it's unnatural. Mm-hmm. If you practice sex 
um, outside of marriage in a heterosexual way, but you have sex with a bunch of people, a bunch of, like if you're a man and you have sex with a bunch of women, mm-hmm. like you're going to probably get STDs, mm-hmm. right? That That's not going to happen if one man and one woman only have sex mm-hmm. between themselves in marriage, mm-hmm. right? That's not going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be healthy and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not going to happen. So we just see naturally that there is disorder to these things. Just mm-hmm. naturally. Mm-hmm. There is. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. what I would say about okay. hurting someone. It does hurt you in many yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah, even physically, right? Yeah. Yep. Keeping that fire in the fireplace. Yeah. Um, and so just this last one, and I want to speak on this because this comes up a whole lot. So people might say, you know, there are intersex people. Um, you know, what about people who are intersex? And so now you're going to say that being transgender is wrong. And this comes up a whole lot. If you listen to, to, to debates on this subject, um, people bring this up a whole lot. Um, and so since they're intersex people, how come I can't transition from being a male and a female to a female? Who are you to tell me? Um, the underlying thing here is to say that because there is an anomaly that exists, that the rule should change for everyone else mm. and should be free to change for everyone else. And so what's happening here is really kind of a bait and switch. If I were to say, and this really does exist and actually on a much grander scale than intersex, intersex is a fraction of a percent. Some will say it's as high as as many, as often as being redheaded. It's not. It's far more um, uh, rare than that. But let's just say 30% of the population uh, is intersex. That would not mean at all that the other 70% can now transition from male to female and that the rules all of a sudden change for them. Um, For example, we all know that there are many interracial people out there. I'm one. Uh, My father is African. My my mom is English. Um, So I'm interracial. That doesn't now all of a sudden free up for a white person to say, well, John's an example of an interracial person, so I can now transition to being black. Society has and does very much condemn people like this. There are people you could look up who have tried to say that I'm black. And you look at them and you look at their old photos and they've uh, from childhood and they are as white as can be. Their, their <laughs> lineage and their heritage and their ethnicity is all white. And that's fine. But when a person tries to transition and assume another identity, which is actually far less um, influential to their being is their race as as opposed to their gender. A gender is even much bigger jump to swap genders. Um, and so, but again, just to say that there are intersex people out there, absolutely, there are intersex people. Nobody's denying that. But to say that all of a sudden the rules can change for you who is not are not intersex doesn't mean now you can swap from being a from being a girl to being a guy based on an, an anomaly that's happening out there in any more stretch of the the sense that. Somebody can say, well, because there's an interracial person, now I can identify as a Chinese person because there are, you know, half and half people out there who are half Chinese and half, you know, whatever, Congolese. (laughs) It doesn't mean I can now make the swap of my own accord. And so we have to be careful when it comes to making false, uh, you know, um, comparisons. Absolutely, man. I think what we just want to do, like lastly to wrap it up, is just re-stress what we stressed at the beginning. It's just there's hope. For anyone who believes in Christ. Amen. Anyone who believes in Christ, there is redemption. He will give you his Holy Spirit. He will make you new, give you new desires, bring you into his church, a kingdom of people who have been redeemed just like you, you know, just like anyone who 
who believes and they will help you. You know, the Lord will help you um, mm -hmm. and bring you to truth and help you find the answers and live in light of righteousness, live the truly human way mm -hmm. that God originally established and, and desires for us. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Praise God for that, right? Hallelujah. Amen. That's a wonderful thing. Yep. Amen. It's hope bro. in Christ. Amen. Well, that's all for today's episode. Consider subscribing for more Simply Christian content. And until next time.